0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything health I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and you can catch us every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on my personal Facebook page and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site, and a few days later, you can also catch the episode on most of the podcast forms, so iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and so on. So go to those forums and um, subscribe to them and don't miss our podcast and especially go to our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is growing all the time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and comment, please. Let us know if you like about the episode or don't like, and if you'd like future episodes. So the Moses Lake Special Programs YouTube site, please go there and subscribe. Um, today I would like to welcome Dr. Christine Dickerson. She um, is the head of um, Green Imaging, which is an imaging center that has expanded. I think their lo- their main location is in Texas, but they're expanding all over the nation all over the nation now. and I'm really, really super excited because it is bringing affordable imaging to a place near you soon, let's hope. Um, and why is that necessary? Because as she will probably explain a little bit later, um, sometimes we worry about the type of imaging because it's so costly, but it doesn't have to be. Um, I know there are examples of MRIs being $3,000. Um, yet, if you go
1: to a, a place that, um, like Dr. Dickerson's um, clinic, you can get an MRI for under $500. And I'm sure that Dr. Dickerson is going to explain some of those things with with pricing. So without further ado, Dr. Dickerson, welcome to our show. Thanks
2: so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. Yeah.
0: So tell us a little bit about your history and where you went to medical school and then, um, you know, where you practiced before then and then, you know, why you decided to open Green Imaging.
2: Okay, well, I'm 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 a Houstonian. I'm a Texan, and um, I did train here in Houston at University of Texas, um, and spent a large part of my training at MD Anderson Cancer Center, and that that was quite formative um, in my career. Um, And I started out in a multi specialty group, which is a really wonderful. I mean, it's an old fashioned way to practice, but it's a really wonderful concept, and it's kind of what we're trying to do now with narrow networks and and more tele. You know telehealth and you know pulling doctors together where you know we had we sat down for lunch every day and talked about patients and consulted on patients and that was just a great way to practice and i actually went to work for this multi-specialty group because i didn't want to get into the business of healthcare and um, i had been practicing you know maybe two years and we had a new business office director and she came in with this big box of what we called yellow tickets and they, they were the, from the work we did nights and weekends over at the hospital, you know, on call. And it turned out the hospital wasn't giving us the demographic information and the coding information we needed to bill for literally millions of dollars of care. And so I decided I had to get into the business of healthcare. Right. And um, within a couple of years, with it, I was on the board and then ultimately was the president of the clinic. And it was a great MBA. I had a CEO and a CFO, and I learned, I give them tremendous um, credit for teaching me a lot of the business of medicine, but also for their innovation. We had a CEO, Dorma Kohler, who got the great idea. This is when um, premiums were skyrocketing with the BUCA plans. That's the Blue Cross. Shield, United, Cigna, and Aetna, for those who I I know you all know, but um, in the traditional healthcare plans, um, deductibles were skyrocketing, premiums were skyrocketing. And so we started pulling everything we could out of that plan and, you know, either providing the care at zero out of pocket for our employees or with some strategic partners, you know, down the hall in the same building. And we started carving out um, parts of care and making it Number one, more affordable for the employees, but number two, holding those premiums down, um, so that you know, our, so that they could afford healthcare and we could afford to help them pay for it. So that was my um, that was my venture into being a self funded employer. So that's been in the back of my brain for a long time. I went on to work at um, ultimately the imaging, um, you know, through a hospital system acquisition. Imaging um, went away for this multi specialty group, so I moved to another multi specialty group. And um, really just started doing green imaging full-time in in February of this year. So I had done this on the side for seven, eight years. Um, but I always, you know, saw the opportunity for the self-pay network that I was building um, in Texas to become a preferred network for employers. And, um, you know, it, that has come to fruition in the last four or five years. We've really been working, you know, what we saw was we could get to a lot more, Um, patients and create huge savings, you know, at multiple levels, not only for the employees, but for the employers. And sometimes, as in our biggest client, the tax base, you know, we, our largest client is a school district in Florida, and we're going to save them $1.5 million this year. So, you know, that's a, that's a great story. And we're able, you know, we still, a third of our patients are still self-pay. And some of those are through health sharing ministries and other vehicles where they're, they present as a self-pay patient. Um, But really, we're able to reach so many more people by doing direct contracting with TPAs, cost containment companies, uh, directly with employers, um, you know, all kinds of benefit cards. Um, There's so many different um, creative ways people are trying to solve the healthcare conundrum, and they're effectively doing it, and we love being part of that.
1: Yeah, that's great. I'm I'm glad you're part of this revolution. I, I believe that there, you know, the future of healthcare is going to be up to doctors like yourself kind of getting away from the traditional system a little bit and, and thinking of some innovative ideas. I mean, we, we can't, we can't um, expect the federal government to solve the problem. I, I think the no. federal government kind of caused the problem. So physicians really need to take back healthcare and thank you for doing that, uh, Dr. Dickerson. Oh, it's really exciting. So I, I kind of just, uh, let's get, just, if you don't mind, we'll just get into some, to some pricing and um you know, so for instance, my son, he um, broke his left tibia compound fracture back in May. And we, you know, didn't have much of a choice, had to take him to a local hospital here. And the x-ray was $424. So can you explain? Um, <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. So why, why are you laughing?
2: Um, I've actually seen worse Um, here at Texas Children's Hospital on a United healthcare plan. It's about 900 for one view and that doesn't include the interpretation. Um, And yet we have places we can, you know, across the country, we can do them for $50. Um, You know, it, it, healthcare is, um, I I believe in, in free market principles. Um, You know, the, the center that is in the nicest part of town and is paying, you know, rent in a very, expense you know expensive rent in a big office building is very different than uh, an imaging center in a strip center you know in the suburbs that's just a different market and so number one I think you know based on geography that market force is huge in healthcare um, number two let's let's look at the equipment you know it, it is it you know older equipment um, you know can it stitch like on a scoliosis survey can it stitch? the um, images together of the cervical spine, thoracic spine, and lumbar spine, so they look like one big image, you know, is that capability there? You know, there are all kinds of factors like that, that that's a very expensive machine. You know, most imaging centers can't afford that. And so if you're putting in that kind of equipment, you know, in the traditional healthcare system, a one point, I mean, a three T MRI and a 0.25 Tesla MRI, you know, on an old open magnet, they pay the same through most, Um, healthcare plans. And there's no quality, you know, I don't care if it's a mass general trained radiologist or a foreign medical graduate. You know, all those things are not factored into the economics of medical imaging. And the other big factor in the economics of medical imaging, number one, like you point out, a hospital. Um, The cost of care in a hospital system is going to be about three times that um, with an independent doctor all the way through um, the episode of care. And that's, we we see markets where it's much greater than that. Supposedly in um, Pittsburgh, um, because of the hospital system domination, you know, it can be nine to 13 times higher. Certainly, um, you know, mass, well, in Boston, you don't even really have the non-hospital based option, like 90% of imaging is done at Mass General or Boston Children's. And the few centers that are independent have to replicate those protocols. And so it's like twice the time on the MRI machine. And so, you know, those are huge market forces. And so I believe in letting, you know, I let my imaging centers set their own prices. They know what that time on the table costs. I don't, you know, I know a lot because I own one, MRI center, I, I know some of their pain points. I know that helium is doubled in price this year. Um, you know, so I know some of those factors, but I don't know their rent. I don't know what they pay their radiologists. I don't know anything, you know, about that center. I, I mean, I do know, you know, I look at the quality standards, but I don't know their market forces. And so we do let the imaging centers, you know, set, um, set their own prices because we believe very much that the market forces need to matter. And that's one of the things that's kind of destroyed healthcare.
1: I, I could not agree more. Um, free market is what is going to solve our healthcare problems for sure. And let let people, let you as a doctor and, and, and this podcast and other forums educate and empower individuals that they need to take charge of this themselves um, because you know, they're not being looked out for by their health insurance company. Their health insurance yeah. company does not care no. whatsoever. <laughs> you know, in fact, when it comes to their health insurance company, all they care about is their own bottom line. And I'm a capitalist. I get that. But I just want to make people be aware of that that there are other options. And if you can explain that. So let's say patient um, has Premier Blue Cross or one of the ones that you're talking about, and they say that they you know, their preferred providers is imaging company XYZ, and they know that the MRI is $3,000 there. Does the patient have a choice to go somewhere else?
2: Absolutely. And I have seen doctors tell them otherwise, but that, you know, that's actually illegal. And so, um, you know, there are a couple of legal factors here. Number one is you do have the right now, some doctors say they'll fire the patient. I've seen MD Anderson do some heavy handed. Mm. Now recently I've been getting letters from MD Anderson that say this patient has been given a waiver, um, based on financial need. And, you know, we, we need this and this and this from green imaging. I love that. That's
1: perfect. Um, Dr. Dickerson, can you explain MD Anderson? I'm not familiar. And I don't know if our um, listeners, our views are either.
2: MD Anderson cancer center. It's one of the premier cancer centers in the world here in the yeah. Texas medical center. And okay. so, um, So, so they've, you know, they, um, their exams, I would say for an MRI, typically in the $6,000 range.
1: And your price.
2: Um, we can do that exam without and with contrast for 425 at our imaging center. If it's without contrast, like a knee or shoulder, we have options in the 250 to 400, 450 range all over Houston and all over the country. Really, you know, our most expensive prices are either in rural uh, hospital sites, you know, where there's no imaging center, like in rural Virginia, and then in the big uh, Boston is a tough one for us. I think our non-contrast MRI is probably seven seventy-five or something like that. But it's still a third the cost of it in the hospital,
1: <laughs> right? And still a far cry from the six right. thousand dollars that it is um, in that MD Anderson. So, can you explain it? You know, explain to our listeners and viewers how that can happen? How? Because I don't think there's any other industry where, you know, even, you even look at a car, for instance, that does the exact same thing. I don't think that the the pricing is, there's that far apart. I guess you could argue that there there could be with some top end cars, but, but in general, these are, this is the same equipment with the same doctors and you've got a tenfold difference. Can you explain how that happens?
2: Um, You know, one of the factors is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's market forces, the hospital systems, you know, have especially the, the really st- the ones that have great reputations um, are able to it, it, what's happened in Houston is several times you know uh, the the Buka plans have have dropped um, Memorial Herman or Ma- our a Methodist or Texas children's or MD Anderson And, um, you know, that creates a huge market force. Um, Members really want those hospitals in the system and then they have to go back and renegotiate those. Um, There, I think MD Anderson and Texas Children's last I heard are only with a couple of the BUCAs now because there's such a pricing differential. Um, But that's an okay thing in our market where we have multiple great hospital systems. In settings where there's only one hospital system, you know, what is the insurance company to do? And, um, you know, and, the, and and especially when there are no independent imaging centers. The other thing is that independent imaging centers have really taken a ba- bloodbath. Um, you know, part of it was on their own. There was a lot of out, out of network um, billing that um, was egregious. Um, you know, so th- to pull that back in um, the, the, there was a real downward, um, and and I think that that's also why there was some egregious out of network billing was that the reimbursement rates for the outpatient imaging centers were so low, but that's been a real struggle. You know, the viability of those centers is huge, um, but you know there is really no correlation, or maybe an inverse correlation between quality and uh, price of care, in imaging. And you know, one of the places we see that are in hospitals that don't have the reputation of the great ones. And um, even in that setting, they're getting, you know, there's some hospitals I've never laid eyes on in Houston that are some of the, you know, highest, um, have some of the highest prices for imaging um, in the nation actually. So there's there's no rhyme or reason, you know, their administrative costs are, tr- are much higher. I, I will say there should be a cost, a price differential. They're 24 seven, they have to have texts on call, you know, or in on site all night. Um, you know, their equipment goes through, you're seeing a lot more patients and, you know, there's more wear and tear on your equipment. Um, You have to, you know, you're having to deal with patients who have all kinds of oxygen and all kinds of extra equipment around them. So the throughput is slowed down by that. You have a lot of elderly patients. There definitely should be a differential in reimbursement between a hospital and an outpatient center, but 10, 20 times is ridiculous.
1: Right, yeah. Um, Janet, do you have any questions for Dr. Dickerson?
2: Well,
3: I'm curious as to how um, your patients are able to work around the, you must go to this clinic or you must go to this place. Because we see that in our community where clinics are really um, um, protective of their own Um, resources. And so if you want to go outside of their system, it's very, uh, challenging. So how do you work around that with your clients and how do they get into seeing someone like you that is, um,
2: making it affordable and easy access for them? You know, there are a number of ways we accomplish that with a self-pay patient, you know, it's just financial. Um, and literally a lot of the hospital systems here know about us and they will, if the patient can't, make their patient responsibility. They'll refer them our way, um, which is really great. Um, But in an employer plan, we have the opportunity to educate. And so number one, when an employer, I love it when an employer rolls us in, not at re-enrollment, but just mid-year as a benefit. Look, we're going to do this for you. And that's what School District of Osceola County in Florida did. Their their, uh, Cigna premiums wiped out the employee's pay raise. And so the teachers union got involved. And so they moved their um, near site clinic out of a hospital system, which is not a very good place to have your near site clinic, um, they moved it out to the Rosen Health Center at zero out-of-pocket to the employees and then gave them, you know, this imaging opportunity at zero out-of-pocket. And so we, you know, did initial employee training, you know, whether that's videos, we, they did a mailer, We we have, you know, posters that they put up. To, uh, to educate the employees. And then we do a newsletter monthly that not only has a timely topic, like right now, it's going to be about, you know, the, what happens if you go without your cancer screening studies. Um, it has, you know, an eye-catching topic, but it also step by step by step talks them through using green imaging. And, you know, the incentives are t- tremendously important. We had somebody, we had a TPA that put a $375 copay in place. Well, that's not a copay because most of our exams don't cost three hundred and seventy-five dollars. That's a maximum out-of-pocket, and the education was almost impossible in that setting. That's actually the only plan we have terminated; was it, it just made absolutely no sense? And they couldn't even get the claims. They couldn't get the the EOBs to work. They they had no idea how to handle that. So that was a disaster. But when it's well done, it's zero out-of-pocket. We have some that do shared savings. Um, defined benefit plans. If you come in, I love that concept because if you say you have a $500 benefit for your MRI, if you go down the hall at the hospital and spend $1,300, you're going to pay the extra $800. If you go to affordable MRI and have it for $250, you're going to keep that extra $250. And I think that's a great um, way to drive consumerism.
1: Cause what needs to happen is patients need to be made, like they do in any other industry, they need to be made to shop around for healthcare. Um, instead of just going to somewhere where they're told to go and then, you know, let the numbers fall where they may. They they need to to be incentivized financially. And 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 maybe that can mean that they, they get something back or they don't have to pay as much. Either way, but um consumers need to start shopping for their own healthcare, and that's what's gonna make the free market work.
2: Yeah, and I do think that they have to find trusted partners because when people are in healthcare stress, it, it's difficult to try something new. And so that's why we really believe all mammographic services, all breast imaging services should be at zero out of pocket. You know, one of the things that was the, the fallacy of the MEC, uh, the minimal essential coverage plan, was that it covered screening mammography, but not diagnostic mammography. And so, you know, women with those symptoms were getting their mammograms free while the woman with a new breast lump, um, you know, is is having to pay for a diagnostic mammogram, which is even more expensive and an ultrasound typically. Um, and so, you know, that didn't work and it led to a lot of gaming the system and patients would try to have a screening mammogram when they were symptomatic and it would delay care. And, and cost more down the line. And so, um, you know, th- there are things, if you cover that breast imaging at zero out of pocket, which there is, you know, if you're an employer, it absolutely should be covered or even a health plan, because that's, you know, we've got to get out of this mentality that healthcare is a year to year thing. We're going to, we're going to cover you for this year. We have to get to plans that are, you know, that are covering, that are, promoting your health, and, you know, especially with employers. whole well, idea of employer-based healthcare is to take great care of your workforce. So in that setting, you know, breast imaging needs to be at zero out of pocket. Uh, if a woman waits, um, it's 18 months, and that's, that's an important number to know right now during COVID, you know, that can be an upstaging in of breast cancer, um, so that extra six months um, can add you know can add a stage. well a stage in breast cancer therapy can be a very invasive difference time off work, um, you know disruption to the workplace, having that person out. Um, you know a lot of women who have more aggressive cancers are younger. So you know that can be a very disruptive thing that that not just the cost of that mammogram has to be factored in. the cost of care all the way down the line has to be factored in. And so when women use, use us in a relatively low stress situation like mammography. They're more likely to use us or get their family to use us in a higher stress situation. They already know how to do it.
1: Well, that's one of the things I think, um, that's why we had you on too. And thank you for doing that, educating our viewers, because I think sometimes... Uh, Those of us that work in healthcare, we take these things for granted because we just have the networks and we just know about it. But that's why it's so important for us to, um, you know, educate our, uh, the patients that, you know, you know, the, the right, the right avenues to, to travel down. So you kind of mentioned it a little bit. You started talking about it while we're on the subject. So cancer screenings, um, you said that COVID has really messed up some cancer screenings. Can you uh, expand on that a little bit?
2: yeah I can. Um, you know, we were down to about 50 percent um, volume, mammography even less it was lower than that um, from the here in Texas at least, and it was pretty much reflected. We read at centers you know nationally, um, pretty much reflected across the board. We were at 50 percent capacity from maybe March, late March um, to June to early June. And, um, so all those people didn't have their mammograms, And then they started trickling back. And now what we have is nobody can get in for a mammogram until right now, you know, early December. it's it's we see the dates you know, inching out further and further because there's such this backlog. And the other problem is, you know they're trying to stretch appointment times further apart to clean the room, keep patients from overlapping. Um, And and so that's compounding the problem. I know centers are adding a second tech, but that doesn't, you still have to disinfect the room between patients. Um, There's so many factors there, but, you know, people who now think that they can go with their mammogram next week are in for a little bit of a surprise, Um, and and they can't. And, you know, it's very upsetting to people. Um, They've they've already put it off. And, you know, we're going to, I, you know, I heard that um, cancer diagnoses are down um, over 50% this year, you know, which means that these are going undetected, and they will be found at a later stage later. Um, they think there may be a four-year drop in life expectancy in the United States due to the decreased screening. I mean, that's huge.
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah
2: I I can tell
3: you from the perspective of hearing clients, um, it's very hard because, first of all, they're afraid to come in, and now right. that now that um, things are sort of opening in some states, our state, I don't know, we, we're kind of back and forth, but it is a mixed message and it is very concerning to me because even the clients that should be seen for cardiac and, and all these other th- things um, are, are holding off. So the message that I'm hearing loud and clear from you is if you need to be screened, make that appointment now.
2: Right. Oh, Get definitely. Definitely. On-
3: Yeah. Get on the list. Um, And what other things could you suggest to our clients so that they are a little proactive about it? Because I think um, what I hear is, well, at least in Washington State is, um, you know, if you even have a sniffle, then you can't even walk through the door. So, I mean, throw some good tips out there for your clients to get in and be taken care of.
2: Well, you know, you do want to make sure that safety precautions are being taken. Believe me, the viability of these imaging centers is based on their keeping them safe for immunosuppressed patients, patients who need screening, patients who need acute care. Um, uh, You know, everyone's being very creative in how they're doing this. So I I wouldn't worry so much about that. I would kind of ask about, you know, are there multiple people in the waiting room? You know, some centers can't get around that. Depends on where you live. You know, in Houston in the summer, you can't wait in your car till it's done. You know, I'm sure with you all in the winter, you can't. So, right. you know, you, you, there are those limitations, you know, is there a lobby further away where I can wait? You know, th- there's some creative ways people are, are working those things out. I would do everything to minimize the overlap. I mean, I had blood drawn today and the, the, for an insurance Physical and the guy came to my house and I kept backing away. <laughs> you know, I, I, you keep that six feet. You you do all those things that you can. A mammogram, sh- you should not be in within six feet of the uh, technologist for more than a couple of minutes. So you know that risk is low. You want to make sure that you're not sitting in a room with the, you know other people closer than that. I would ask those questions when I booked a mammogram. You know, there's no. I, I would have no hesitation to do that, but know that they are taking all the precautions they can. Um, you know, some exams like um, echocardiography, I know of somebody who was exposed to a tech who had um, COVID recently. And, um, you know, that's a tough one because the ultrasound tech is, is usually right next, you know, at arm's length of the patient for quite a while. So, you know, you do need to take it. An x-ray should not be a problem. A CT should not be a problem. An MRI, you really, you know, you're a few minutes, um, you know, with the technician, but then you're in separate rooms for most of it. So all of those things, you have to little, you know, take the test, keep the test in mind, and then you have to weigh the risk versus the benefit. Um, You know, the risks are really still pretty low of, dying of COVID, but we know that if you get it, you know, depending on your risk factors and sometimes not depending on your risk factors, there can be long-term repercussions. So, you know, I, I think, you know, sometimes pull your doctor in and say, you know, what is my risk of breast cancer? I have, you know, two, Um, relatives on my father's side who've had it. Well, that's not going to increase your risk much. But if it's two relatives on your mother's side, you may want to be more aggressive about that. So I think that's where your doctor can help you um, significantly. And most doctors are doing telemedicine visits. And I wouldn't hesitate um, to have that conversation right now.
1: So while we're on the topic of that, you kind of already explained a little bit of it. But um mammograms are very important and you know maybe some people are a little bit confused about when they should and how often they should so while we're on the topic go ahead and tell us uh, with your expertise who should get a mammogram and how often and and um, what are your suggestions
2: I believe in annual, especially, you know, this kind of goes against what some of the recommendations are, but I believe in annual mammography, especially when women are younger from 40 on, because it's a more aggressive disease in that population um, typically. And um, in older women, you've got to, you know, start thinking about, okay, what's my longevity? Um, You know, my mom is 82. She has had breast cancer. Um, You know, she had a lumpectomy and some radiation therapy. She's been just fine for 10 years, you know, but does she need to be going into the imaging center, you know, right now? Probably not. Um, you know, she's not on hormones anymore. She's taken the tamoxifen. She's done all of that. You know, I think to her, that risk would be greater. Me, I need to get in there and get my mammogram. You know, I have that family history and, um, you know, I, I don't have other health risks, and I need to be getting in there and doing that. So, uh, you know, it is a very personal decision right now. And but in general, it should be annual until you feel like your five year longevity is no longer there. Um, there are some suggestions that older women can, you know, wait 18 months uh, to 24 months, that's probably very reasonable. Um, you know, especially if you're not on hormones, um, and if you don't have a family Uh, history. So, but I, once again, I think, you know, your individual doctor is your best resource for looking at your personal risks and uh, making that decision.
1: Awesome. Thank you for that educational piece. So I noticed your clinics are branching out and I noticed we live in Washington and I noticed you don't have any clinics in Washington state. Can you explain why?
2: Yes, because the doctors there have done a great job of keeping their reimbursement up from the traditional payers um, it, it, it's very interesting and you know I, I we what we've done is we've quit going in and building out our network until we have a large number of covered lives in an area because we're much more able to you know it's it's not worth you know these imaging centers sign, you know, lots and lots of contracts and many of them, they never receive a patient. So they're reluctant to just, you know, take on a new contract that with no promised lives. If we say we have a school district down the street and, you know, with a school district, everybody lives right there. Um, uh, you know, that that's a game changer for them and we can get great pricing. Um, we, we are actually talking to um, a provider in Washington State right now. So, and um, I think in January, um, we have a big meeting. They've sent us some data. They're very interested in talking to us, and they're interested actually in the way we practice radiology. Um, They said that their their radiologists, um, you know, are not hands-on. They're not willing to protocol exams. They're not willing to have discussions with patients, and so, you know, th- th- this could be a great partnership, so we're very interested in that possibility.
1: That's exciting. So, tell us a little bit about Certificate of Need. I know sometimes with MRIs, that's an issue coming into certain states. Can you educate our viewers on that?
2: Yes, um, Certificate of Need laws um, are basically um, a way that legislators have, um, I think, gotten very nice meals and other things, um, out of people who want to build imaging centers or hospitals. And, um, it, you know, that states that, you know, you have to have a certain patient, patient density or, you know, population. You can only have this many, um, imaging centers in that, unless you show some other specific need for it. Um, so there are exceptions out there, but, Independent centers have not been able to compete well with hospital systems for getting these um, certificates of need. I know of a physician and um, Nor- I think he ended up on building outside the North Carolina border, state border, um, to, 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 for his patients to be able to go to this um, imaging center so he could get around the certificate of need. Um, so, you know, there are ways people are doing it, but they, they require it. And sometimes, you know, affordable imaging requires a drive. That That's not, you know, that's, you know, we um, employers will incentivize, you know, give a gas card for employees if it's going to take a little bit of a commute for them to, to get to a lower cost center. But the certificates of need, um, you know, I, I know that there when you talk about COVID in New York, there was an issue with, you know, hospital bed availability related to certificates of need. Um, they are a way to um, decrease the, basically the free market, um, you know, to stifle the free market and keep doctors from being able to, you know, open up. And and in this case, these were doctors who were trying to get these certificates of need in North Carolina and keep them from being able to do that. And, um, you know, once again, that's just a it's it's not um, in the interest of health of good health care for the populace.
1: Well, right. And then the patients end up suffering because right. when they need affordable imaging or you know, whatever the certificate of need is not allowed them to come in, they access is actually decreased.
3: Right. Well I, I think too for our consumers or our, our watchers, um our viewers today, a certificate of need can also mean that you can't open a facility or you can't purchase equipment, correct? Right. So that being said, somebody else either has taken that certificate of need and it it, it could be somebody local or just because it's not deemed important enough to, to issue it to somebody. So really you have somebody that's in control, not the consumer, not the provider. It's, it's somebody X, you know, outside of the area looking at this saying, mm, no, or yes. Right. Correct.
1: It's basically politicians create monopolies is really yes. what it amounts to. <laughs> Correct? Correct. <laughs> or
2: as, as Carl Schusler would say, the cartel.
0: Yeah, well, it is. Right.
3: Because, I, you know... I, It's interesting to me that, you know, we we make this idea that monopolies are un-American and should be driven out, yet we are creating them legally, per se, from a legislative point of view that,
2: you know, only this person can practice here and you can't. Absolutely. And, you know, we have them in the pharmaceutical industry, as you know, Mm -hmm. the hospital systems and uh, the insurance companies, you know, they're all... Mm -hmm. That's, that's the and, cartel.
1: And if you read the and, definition
2: and, of a cartel, they meet it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and it's interesting that, you know, all three of those, they're all three in bed together. Oh like, yes. Big Pharma insurance companies and hospitals are all in it together and, and they, and they love their system. And if you talk to somebody that's, you know, in hospital administration or something like that, they'll even probably admit to you privately that it's a racket. They realize it, but that's, that's how they've survived.
2: Yeah, it's intentionally broken, and an example of that is when we did the claims data for School District of Osceola County, um, who was with you know in a Buca TPA, self-funded, but in a Buca TPA, we found all these hospital procedure codes that didn't have CPT codes, and typically in the, with this carrier you can only use those hospital revenue codes if you um, if, if it's an inpatient but there were 600 of them for imaging for CT and MRI alone that's wow. way too many for inpatient and uh, so we started doing some digging and they were paid out between eight hundred dollars and forty thousand dollars for these exams and so you know I was talking I was talking to you know HR department at some big company and the guy goes oh th- this is what happens he said here's the backstory on that when the insurance company and the hospital system go to negotiate deeper discounts, their claims edits that happen, you know, that their claims, uh, things that get let up from the, the claims review such that these claims go through and that makes up for, so the hospital system doesn't really take a deeper discount. You know, it makes it all budget neutral to them. And I found that fascinating. And I've seen it repeated mm-hmm. with different carriers, um, with a, another of those four, um, they use the um, unspecified radiologic procedure code for each modality, and those seem to escape the claims edits and are paid out much higher. So it's it's a dirty business.
1: It, it is, and you know the the sad thing about it, Doctor Dickerson, is it's dirty yet it's legal. I mean, our, our state and federal government have completely made it legal. In fact, they promoted it. I mean, they have created laws to support these kind of entities. And, and the thing is, is patients are suffering. That's the oh, worst Oh,
2: absolutely. Part. You yeah. know, in the, each of those settings, that was a tragedy for one of those families. They right. had a $6,000 maximum out of pocket. And then I think 20% co-insurance above that. I mean, it, it, no, so it was $4,000 deductible and then a 20% co-insurance up to 6,000, uh, maximum out of pocket. So for these, you know, school bus drivers and teachers, that's a financial disaster for those families.
0: Wow.
1: Wow. That's, that's, um, so I know one thing about a free market is one thing in a free market is that there has to be transparency in pricing, right? Um, you can't really truly have a free market if, if, if the, um, consumer does not know what they're paying. So I noticed that I went to your website and you've got different locations and prices of x-ray, CT scan, MRI, um, and so on. So, and you talked a little bit about your pricing, um, your pricing has different markets and stuff because it is a free market. So explain, I've went to lots of hospital sites and I never see prices posted online like that. Will you explain that to me? (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, it's complicated. It's hard for us to keep up with our database of pricing. You know, we've got about 1400 yeah. centers now and, and things change and they remove this modality, you know, it, it, it is almost impossible. So I I do sympathize with the hospital systems. But you know, the problem is even with this transparency bill, hospitals unbundle things. And then they also make regulations where they require this test to get this test. And there's so many permutations of this, you know, like I'll give you an example. My husband had a kidney stone at Christmas last year. And so, you know, he went in and they tried to basket the stone and they couldn't. And so then they lasered, you know, they did about, so there's no really no way to predict how much that surgery is going to cost in advance. I'm sympathetic with that. But I will say that this hospital system, so he, he, the first time they were unsuccessful getting it out, second time, you know, new calendar year, new deductible, we have to go back in and do this. And they did say, um, we estimate this is going to cost this much. And if you'll pay $5,000 in cash right now, we'll take it. And we did.
1: Wow, and, uh, that was and really that,
2: pretty amazing.
1: Kudos to that hospital. Yes, although, and I don't want to put you on the spot, and you might not know the answer to this, but you know, when you go to a surgery center like Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and you're probably familiar with 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 the Surgery Center of yeah, Oklahoma, okay. right? Yeah, right. So I've met Doctor Smith. I've toured the center. I, I I I think he is, you know, a revolutionary when it comes to free market medicine. So, but if he has, you know, um, ACL repair xyz dollars um you know that is what it is so how can how can he do that but a hospital couldn't and i get it it's complicated but i think it, they right. make it more complicated than, than it than it really has to be just like for instance in in your facility i'm sure when somebody comes in with just a a simple wrist fracture and you say you're going to charge them 50 dollars, some kind of complication came up but do you charge extra for that
2: no, that's a good point. You know, and, I mean, yeah, it is. And it, but it takes a, you know, it, it it takes a really good, It it's different in an ASC too, because you've got a different risk pool. What they see at Surgery Center of Oklahoma is going to be, you know, non-Medicare patients. Um, they're generally going to be healthier, younger Um, And and you have to just consider that risk. And he has, you know, the other thing it's difficult to control in a surgical setting is the anesthesia. And him being an anesthesiologist, (laughs) he can control that, whereas it's very difficult to get anesthesiologists to do bundle because it's based on time. They're paid by the payers right now based on time. And so it's really difficult to get a flat fee Um, and, you know, because it's going to be based on the surgeon, the surgeon's skill set, how quickly they get in and out. You know, there's so many variable factors. But, you know, in Texas, um, Sean Kelly, Sean and Patrick Kelly have Texas free market surgery and they've been able to do it in two markets now. They started in Austin and now they've moved out to the Houston area to Tomball. And, you know, they've been able to replicate, the interesting thing is taking that algorithm and moving it into a second market and being successful. Um, but like Sean said, you know, he said, you know, it's really the, the best thing about, you know, the most important factor is having great surgeons because they do that same procedure all the time. They're in and out quickly. They don't have complications. The, what that kind of bundled pricing assures is that only they're only gonna do it with the best surgeons. And, you know, the anesthesiologists are going to trust the surgeons that at the time is not going to be longer. And so, you know, it really comes down to that algorithm. It's really a great way to assure quality.
1: I was going to say, and not only can they be transparent in pricing, but, you know, from what you just said, only the best surgeons can do that. And the best anesthesiologists can do that, which means you're getting better quality at a lower right. price. I mean, it's, right. it's amazing, you know. Um, so... You mentioned about um, transparency and pricing, and how you know there was an order to come through. You know, Trump made an executive order that there's going to be transparency and pricing in January. Is that correct? Do
0: you, do you know correct. the details? Okay, uh, yeah. so
1: um, now that we don't know where this, you know, where the election is is headed, do you think that is that going to be rescinded? Is there going to be any teeth behind it? What do you think about transparency and pricing, um, and how it's going to go from a, a government mandate? Um, perspective in the future
2: you know i don't know enough of the details i know the original um the original mandate what you know had a penalty built in if they didn't do it and the penalty was so small that it seemed to me the cost of generating those prices if i were in their shoes i would probably take the penalty um because it, it very difficult to calculate those things um I think either way, I think I, I do think that the consumerism, I think I think any president will dr- continue to drive consumerism in healthcare. care. Um, and I think the great thing about the what the movement that that you and I are involved in is we're we're really solving these problems. You know, we're really creating a market that's going to work. And then government, there's no way they can continue you know, what they're doing. And really about, you know, 50% of the US budget is for healthcare when you start taking the VA, the VA system into um, consideration. Some of the things they don't typically consider in their healthcare spend. Um, and so, you know, it's a huge, in the success of our government, <laughs> our economics, um, you know, it, it would be a great um, thing for the government to be able to, you know, adopt some things like DPC, like subscription-based healthcare, that would be so much better for seniors. Um, get get into, you know, get out of the big PBMs and get into independent pharmacies and things that are saving people money. There's so many opportunities um, there to, to go more local with healthcare and to provide better care at lower cost.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't honestly think, I mean, I think at least the government is, is realizing there's a problem and they recognize that, although they probably have for a while. Um, and I'm not one for government mandates and anything. I think that the consumers, you know, the patients and the doctors are what's going to solve this problem. It's going to come from the bottom up, not the right. top down. I'm, I'm with you on that. So, Dr. Dickerson, what fires you up about what you do?
2: <laughs> um, you know, I love practicing. But I, I, what we do right now, it's so much better patient care. There's not all, there are not all, you, you need an x-ray. You text us. We send you a voucher. You know, we communicate with the imaging center in the background. They're expecting you. You don't have to fill out all, you know, all the insurance information, you go get that x-ray, it gets pushed to us. We read the study. If there's something we need to call your doctor about or text your doctor about, we do that. It's so much easier care. And, you know, technology has allowed us really over the last, um, I would say three years to um, leverage some software that really does 85% of our patients interact with us completely on messaging. And, you um, you know, it's just so much easier than the old way, and um, and and you know, I'm able to message with patients if they're concerned about COVID risk or they're concerned about you know, should they really be having a breast MRI? Their doctor ordered a, you know, 3D mammogram. What would be the the different? You know, I'm able to talk to them, and um, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that sitting on a phone. There's no way I could do that, but I'm able to look at the you know to help Dr. Cook and I. You know, protocol their exams, make sure they're getting the right exam. Um, it's so much fun to be part of a solution uh, that's making things better and easier for patients and more affordable. So, in
3: in the past few months, Sean and I have been talking to uh, not only just patients but also providers, and I'm sure there's many questions that have been raised today. So, if there is a physician, a provider, or a patient in your area that would like to get a hold of you and your company. How do they access you?
2: Um, They can text (laughs) 713-524-9190, our main number, and that's 713-524-9190, and they'll be responded to. Um, That's a a great system. Um, Email info at greenimaging.net um, um, and you will be responded to there as well. Um, we have, I think, we have an still have an ask a doctor, uh, you know, ask a radiologist feature on the website. Uh, we try to make it as easy as possible for people to um, to to get to us. And if you see that little blue telephone that needs to be improved, that little icon at the bottom of the screen on the right, that will open up a web chat for you as well.
1: That's awesome. I love it. You're driving prices down, increasing accessibility and increasing quality. I mean, those are those are three things that usually in a market that you can't get. You know, you can you always say, you know, in Econ 101, we can give you price, we can give you quality and we can give you service. We can give you two of the three. Well, what you're doing, Dr. Dickerson, is you get all of the three. And I love it. That's what's driving this free market and healthcare. I love it so much. I love what you're doing for the free market and healthcare and for patients. So thank you so much for being on our show today. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, thanks for what you're get, doing. Um, getting, getting the news out there is very important. And thanks for having me.
1: All right. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Thursday when we have Dr. Diane Bloom and three other guests, and we will be talking about is your healthcare provider properly educated? You don't want to miss this one. So um, tune in Thursday at our midweek podcast, 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you so much.